Welcome back to another episode of the Dentistry Podcast. I'm Gabby Bissett and I'm one of the editors at FMC. As always, we hope to deliver the best conversations happening within the profession to help you improve your dentistry. From business and clinical skills to mindset and goal setting, we talk to leading figures within the profession to gain insight on how they got to where they are today. Today, I'm joined by Stevie Potter, a dentist, performance coach and GB triathlete. We talk through her journeys into both dentistry and triathlon and how she balances her time between the two very different interests. Stevie has a fierce belief in personalising goal setting, which she says has helped her to get to where she is today. We're going to cover a lot of ground, including what it's like to actually represent Great Britain. I unfortunately I come across a lot of clinicians who don't look after themselves and I really think it shows in their day-to-day work and if you talk to the people around them that they work with you see that stress really gets to people and in the world that we work in now in dentistry it's so important to be able to manage that and we know time and time again that exercising particularly outdoors even if it's just kind of walking around rather than running or whatever but finding something that works for you just to release that is really really important and even as somebody that does this at a higher level the reason I do it if I don't have if I have a few days where I can't train for whatever reason that is totally noticeable but to start with I thought we'd talk about I mean obviously you're what's very interesting about what you do is that you have a lot to balance (laughs) in your life and you have done for quite a long time and and you're still here and smiling on a podcast which I think says (laughs) loads so let's let's sort of dive into the dentistry side of things shortly but let's start with that triathlon side of things I'm always really interested to find out how somebody gets into triathlons it's so you know three sports all pushed into a short space of time I just don't understand why somebody would sit there and think you know what actually this is what I'm going to do so how how did you how did you get into that how what was the interest that drove you towards towards it well I so when I started I think we go back to kind of like when I started uni which was uh 20 2008 okay um and then I came back from my first term and dad was basically like you know what hun you put on a bit of weight so maybe you just want to watch that like you know in a constructive way uh-huh. not like in a kind of body shamey way or anything yeah I was like yeah you're probably right because I've gone from being quite an active kid but never really I didn't do, I wasn't like excelling at PE or anything, but I was doing mm. quite a lot of karate and horse riding. I was always quite active and I got to uni and it was kind of very different. I was settling into living away from home and not kind of joined in too many clubs and it was quite scary and everything else. And, you know, like other people, I was just trying to get to grips with actually living on my own. Um, so I was like, right, well, what can I do that's going to be cheap and it's going to be fun and maybe I'd like to try something new. I want to do something on my own something for headspace um so I decided I was gonna go running because I thought well I've got a pair of trainers I could just go and do that and I was up in Newcastle there was like town malls I could run around so I thought well this is going to be a good way for me to just get some headspace get out there and everybody runs so like anybody can run I'm gonna do this yeah yeah and then I went out and I remember running I ran like between about two lampposts and I was like yes I'm amazing at this I'm gonna I'm gonna win like the Olympics at running and then about 200 meters later I was like this is really hard (laughs) I don't know how to do this um but I thought well I better keep going because otherwise I'm never gonna kind of get rid of this beer gut that I'm gonna develop otherwise um so I I kept going with it and um entered like a 10k and then a half marathon and then I had a couple of injuries and um, 
I joined the rowing club as a cox as well. So I was doing land training with them. And that was from about third year. And they obviously work super, super hard. So if anybody knows any rowers, they're just like super focused. They do a lot of training because they have to do land training and water training. Um, so I kind of wanted to, you know, give it my best shot there and try and blend in as much as I could with the squads there. Um, and then whilst I was having a few injuries, dad sort of threw some magazines at me and was like, well, why don't you try, try triathlon? Because if you've got swimming and cycling, there's no impact with that. So you might be able to, yeah, like keep training. And I was always kind of, um, yeah, like need to have lots of things to keep me interested. Hence why I'm so busy now. So yeah, so I got into that and it just gave me something really good to focus on. And if one wasn't working out, you know, there was other stuff I could do. Um, so it just enabled me to do a lot of things and um, never kind of stop activity, even if I was injured really, so. So so that variety involved, did that make it love at first sight? Was it automatically, absolutely triathlons are for me or did it take a little while to sort of settle into that pattern? No, I think it was totally like the excitement of everything was really like, yes, I enjoy this. And I think um, even since I started, which was sort of like mm, nearly 10 years ago now, the scene has massively increased. So even when I started, it wasn't really, you know, I didn't know anything about Ironman. I didn't know that even existed as a thing. Whereas now, uh, you know, Ironman's sort of becoming like a marathon, like people know about it. Um, you know, they kind of know what's involved in a triathlon, that kind of thing, where, where I was doing it, it wasn't really so well known. There wasn't really an active uni club. Um, so it was exciting. It was something new and yeah, I got to go swimming and kind of practice that. And I got to go buy a bike and do something different with that. And yeah, so it was quite exciting just being able to do the variety, I think. Yeah, it sounds like you, you thrive on that variety involved in, in things, particularly if you are still completing triathlons and juggling that with dentistry as well. Obviously, that was also the case for when you were at university. Um, how, how was that, juggling the studying side of things? Because I, I know there's, I mean, that comes with pressures in itself, forget the triathlons for a minute um just a degree and a dental degree in particular is very difficult but then chuck in you know a multi-sport <laughs> competition and you're you've got your hands full how was it yeah I think primarily at university because of when I came into triathlon um I was actually more focused on the kind of rowing training and stuff and triathlon was just kind of coming to the fore um and what that taught me was there was a lot of guys on rowing who were doing complex degrees as well we had a couple of medical students we had some law degrees that sort of thing so there was people doing some really high energy degrees as well and you just kind of it was part of the culture you kind of eat sleep breathe rowing because you know that you want to get on the water you want to go to the competitions and that kind of thirst to do well within a group of people and all that kind of peer pressure to do well was really healthy because it meant that you were going to get up in the morning and you were going to go and do the early gym session with everybody else. And then you knew you had to get your study time kind of done and whatever the deadlines were, they needed to get done, but training also needed to get done. And it was kind of just being in the right environment. And I think that's so important is that if you can surround yourselves with people that are doing the same thing and that are saying, yeah, I'm really busy and I'm super busy, but I'm also super focused and you can do it. But it was just a case of making sure that I had everything in place. I knew exactly where I was going to be, what deadlines needed to be met and actually what sacrifices I needed to make. So I wasn't going to go out every night because I couldn't afford to do that. I didn't want to do it because I wanted to go out and do other stuff and I wanted to train and I wanted to do well in my degree as well. So it's just a case of priorities and I think environment as well. Definitely. I think mixing with the right people with this with a similar mindset and a similar focus is 
definitely something that I can relate to and I think a lot of listeners will be able to as well it's it, like in every part of life I think who you surround yourself with has a massive impact on on your day-to-day and how you do things yeah definitely um, so you've obviously carried on this interest that you had then up into your professional life now mm-hmm. and, and now you're obviously GB triathlete and you're, you're still, <laughs> still enjoying that and I do you know what I mean I, I, I said before before we started this I love running um, and I was actually a, a swimming teacher uh-huh. um, I, when I was at school and at university. I It was my part-time job. But I will, I mean, I really hope nobody with kids who I taught ever listen to this. <laughs> but I'm not actually a massively great swimmer. Like, I was never involved in a swim club. I can swim. And if I, you know, that kind of situation that everyone always chucks at kids when they don't want to go to swimming lessons. If I fell off a boat, I would be able to keep myself afloat for a long enough time, hopefully, for someone to come and get me. But I'm, I'm not, that's the bit, that's the part of the triathlon, personally, that I find most impressive. Um, how, what is there a, I mean, this might, you've probably answered these questions so many times, but is there a part of the triathlon that you prefer and is there one that you find, find more difficult or do you, do you enjoy it all? I think that is a question I've been asked a lot of times and the answer has changed probably <laughs> like three or four times in my career because when I first started, um, I probably, you know, running was where I'd kind of come from in the sense that that was the most recent, but I'd, ne- I'd not really come from any of these backgrounds, um, which is unusual. Most people kind of come from it. They come to triathlon having got injured at quite a high level in another sport. And although I came to it from running, I wasn't a particularly, you know, I wasn't winning loads of races at running. I'd, I'd done okay. Um, in terms of swimming, I'd learned to swim by falling off the end of a, a shelving beach at home. Like, you know, if you don't swim, then you're going to die. Sort of thing. So, And I hated swimming lessons because I couldn't stand this woman like stood on the side of the pool shouting at me. And I was like, but why do I need to swim in my pajamas? This is just totally unnecessary, man. And uh, so I think I was probably quite a challenge to teach swimming lessons because I just did my own thing. And I was like, I'm not interested in you. Um, um and then I'd kind of ridden my bike all the time because we live quite rurally if you wanted to get anywhere you had to go on your bike I'd ridden my mountain bike around quite a lot um but yeah I wasn't kind of like particularly excelling in any area so running initially was the thing I knew so I kind of always liked it when I got to that place um but then once I got my bike I got my first road bike when I was at university I was like no I really like this I could go a bit further so I enjoyed it a bit more and I could go quite fast on it and I enjoyed that bit and I sort of started to realize it wasn't that bad I didn't have a great bike I've still got it now actually it's like the heaviest bike in the world I love it oh yeah like totally everyone's trying to get me to get rid of it and it's like such sentimental value and i will never get rid of it and it's like frankenstein's monster now because it's just pitched up with so many different parts and it's so old they don't make the parts anymore so i have to kind of like get what i can for it um so that was kind of i think probably the bike started to become my favorite element and i still do like the bike now because um yeah i do quite well on the bike but i think probably my favorite i've gone back now to the favorite part being the running because i did a lot a lot a lot of running over lockdown just started to really enjoy doing the kind of 5ks and stuff and just pushing myself really really hard and now i feel like i get onto the run and i'm like yeah okay now we're in competition like let's see who's got the legs at the end of the race and i kind of really like that challenge of like okay you've done two other disciplines now what have you got left in the tank because it's really mental yeah and there's a fine line between pleasure and pain and like that's it (laughs) (laughs) that's very close yeah yeah (laughs) wow it's just i think it is incredible 
to keep yourself going through so many different sports in that period of time and to to know it's a race as well so you have to do it quickly it's yeah. um so I, I mean i one of the things i like about i like about running is that sometimes i mean yesterday for example went for a run beautiful day so sunny um and i just took it quite slowly and i actually you can sort of enjoy that but when there's that pressure which don't get me wrong is fun too it but it does it does add a an element to the exercise i think and to maintain your cool and like it is it's, it's very impressive and I think with with dentistry as well I can imagine there is a lot of overlap yeah I think one of the biggest things is when you're on race day you know stuff goes wrong or sometimes I you know I went to my first uh, European championships uh, last year and it was just crazy because I was like how do I, where do I even sign on for the race? Like, where do I go when I'm in transition? I can't get out again. Like it was just a lot of unusual things. I think one of the most unusual things was two portaloos for about 500 athletes. That was exciting. Not. Um, like, yeah, I know. I just completely nuts. And I was just like, okay, well, this is terrifying. I don't really know where it is. And um, so it was about having somebody with me that could support me with that. And it's exactly the same in work, like making sure you've got a team around you that can support you. And I just think the mindset factors, like stuff goes wrong, stuff's difficult to deal with. Sometimes you'll have competitors trying to talk to you whilst you're trying to think about something else, or you're out on the road and something comes up on the course, there's a crash in front of you, whatever. You've got to be able to maintain your own plan. And obviously in healthcare, in dentistry, stuff goes wrong or you have something that's difficult. It's not how you planned it to be. And you've got to deal with that in front of a patient, in front of colleagues, that sort of thing. And it can be really, really horrible, particularly I remember in my earlier years um, when stuff went wrong, if I didn't have, you know, my mentor around for whatever reason on that particular day and something didn't go to plan, like, how am I going to handle this? Um, I remember going out to my first job after FD year and being like, well, how am I going to take teeth out? Like, if I can't get it out, what am I going to do? Because I can't just go and fall on somebody. And you you just learn to deal with the mental effect of that and just plan stuff out and go, okay, well, this is plan A, this is plan B, this is plan C. And you just run through that. And I think certainly looking at where I am in competition now and moving up those levels and looking at how I handle stuff in my day-to-day life at work, there is massive parallels because I deal with the stress and pressure at work so much better because it just feels like, you know, well, okay, what are you going to do if it goes wrong? Because you can't just lose your call and you can't just quit. So yeah, absolutely. You've learned in racing to kind of carry on, really. That's interesting that you found it actually has almost made you a better clinician mm. through that exercise. And I think, I think that is um, an important takeaway when it comes to something like what you do, is that you can enjoy both, at, and they are both totally different. But actually, there is a significant overlap, and they sort of complement each other in in many ways. Um, mm. Has it has it made you I mean, in terms of sort of the mental health side of things, do you find exercise is sort of a respite from from stress as well? Because I know obviously there is the stress because you're racing and things like that. However, do you find there is a way to unwind? Does that does that help with your professional life in, in dentistry as well? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think it works both ways. Like sometimes I go to work for a rest. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, I've got uh, I, so I work in clinic three days a week. 
um tuesday wednesday thursday and i have an amazing team there um my usual nurse is you know she's brilliant she's always there got the coffee on when i arrive and like we always have yeah like little catch up when we get there how was the weekend like how was training and you know she's not a triathlete but she will always ask and always be kind of like understanding about if i've had a bad session how that makes me feel and she'll ask me about it and she genuinely cares and like you know my practice yeah and my practice manager is kind of really good about that as well and just kind of if i've had a bad session like okay i've had a bad session let's talk about it so that i can carry on with the day um but it's also nice to be in an environment where people are kind of very mindful of that um likewise i think if i've had a really stressful day at work we'd kind of try and manage that before i go into a session because it's really important to be able to compartmentalize that but sometimes you know you are just going to be stressed out about stuff and i think going and doing some exercise puts you in a really positive mindset but i think the most valuable thing it does is that it just all of those kind of physiological effects of exercise that bring down your blood pressure and improve your mindset and everything else and all those kind of feel good hormones just put you in a much calmer more measured place and it means that you don't do that thing where you go into work and you become a complete diva and you shout at people and you know like yeah. do all those things that dentists do where Absolutely. they're like oh, i don't want to go and work with dr so-and-so today because, <laughs> you know he needs a kit cat and a cup of tea like <laughs> yeah, sure. the last thing you want is to sort of fulfill that stereotype that people have Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 and and it does happen and i kind of i unfortunately i come across a lot of clinicians who don't look after themselves and i really think it shows in their day-to-day work and if you talk to the people around them that they work with you see that stress really gets to people and in the world that we work in now in dentistry it's so important to be able to manage that and we know time and time again that exercising particularly outdoors even if it's just kind of walking around rather than running or whatever but finding something that works for you just to release that is really really important and even as somebody that does this at a higher level the reason i do it if i don't have if i have a few days where i can't train for whatever reason that is totally noticeable in in my behavior and so I just think there are so many benefits and people need to think about that, you know. Sticking to that, um, what is your day-to-day? What is your... <laughs> because, you're, you're, you know, you say you have a few days off and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how, how much training is she doing? What is your... What is your talk us through a, um, a day in the life of, of you, maybe on a, on a working day. Yeah, so um, depending on what I'm doing, so Mondays, Fridays are a little bit more flexible because I run my own performance coaching business. So Mondays and Fridays, I'm working with those clients and then doing other bits, um, you know, like this, podcast interviews, that sort of thing. Um, So I'm running my own business. So it's a little bit more flexible, but surgery day um, will usually be two sessions of training per day. So I'll usually get up and head to the pool. Um, My session normally starts about half past six and then um, I'll probably do an hour in the pool head over to work we start work at about half past eight so i'm normally there by sort of quarter past eight um and then we'll work through the day try and get some stuff done in the middle of the day like lunchtime go grab groceries stuff like that and then um head off it's usually like running or cycling after work um and that, yeah so it's just head home and do that and make sure that you've either put the slow cooker on that you've got meals <laughs> or you've like prepared food so that that's um that's all kind of ready and stuff like that so it's just always 
this kind of standard routine is a session in the morning, work in the day, session in the afternoon. And like I say, on a Monday or a Friday, it's um, just fits in around what other clients and stuff that I've got. And then the weekend is like big sessions because you've got whole day. So you can go out and bike for two or three hours and maybe fitness swim and stuff. And yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking, how does she fit anything else in? Yeah, well, this is the thing. If you come and look around my house, you'd be like, oh, I see. <laughs> house. You never do any home improvement. You don't do DIY. Like, yeah, that's, um, that's good. That's, that's, that's nothing wrong with that, though. Because like you said, it's about, you mentioned it earlier, it's about priorities, right? And and um, that is a priority. And also, it's a good priority. It's 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 good for you. You're enjoying it. It's good for you as a, as a you know, not just physically, but mentally. Yeah. And, and um, you know, who who's anyone to tell anyone how they should spend their weekends and if that's swimming for 15 hours <laughs> yeah I mean it's yeah. lucky for me because I live with somebody who is like big into endurance cycling and trail running and stuff so he doesn't really flinch at the fact if I say like I'm gonna go for a swim at eight and then I'm gonna come back and then I'm gonna go out on the bike and then we just kind of like we'll meet like ships in the night just cross over and tag team for dog care and stuff like that so yeah it's good and then we and then we make more time to just I think it's great because the busier you are the more you have to compartmentalize things I think that's something yeah people really fail at is that they try and do everything and I'm like you can do everything but you need to be realistic about what your priorities are and not be thinking about what everybody else thinks you should do and also be like making proper time for it so Friday afternoon is pretty much 90% of the time is blocked out for me and my partner to have time together because we just won't get it but we have such good quality time on a Friday afternoon and evening whereas I think a lot of people don't really invest that quality time therefore they see each other more but they don't necessarily spend actually better exactly. time together. I think it it's it's goes back to that sort of philosophy where you value things more if you have less of it in a way yes. um, and I, I think I can understand completely how that is helpful and I think some people can get lost when you it almost seems like you have a lot of time together but then you you yeah you don't you, don't, you might be sitting on the sofa watching tv and both of you on your phones and you're not actually taking oh, 100% like the phone thing yeah is a big thing so I have two phones I have a work phone a personal phone and I have no social media on my personal phone so incredible if you send, yeah if you send me a Facebook messenger or something I am not going to see it until like 7am the next day because I, I do not have time to be sitting in the home and having like all of these clients message nice. me and like friends and stuff and it's usually nothing important if it's really mm. important someone will ring me so yeah you know I think it's very important to mm-hmm. put your phone if you find yourself reaching for it constantly I just end up I leave it in my bedroom if I'm yeah. there in the evening I'll just leave it on my bed um and, I, and, and I'm downstairs and it, I won't touch it for a few hours because it's not in my eyesight and I think it's it's, it's important to do that like you said it's you, you want to spend the right time with the right people and it can be a massive distraction yeah definitely agree speaking of distraction actually one of, one of the questions I do have is staying focused on these goals so you said you set your goals in October mm-hmm. so how far ahead do you look do you have short term long term bit of both yeah so this is all part of a process which I've kind of refined since I started um which came out of you know like how do you actually so I was self-coached in the beginning um I have a massive interest in nutrition and exercise physiology and stuff like that. So I just read and read and read and kind of coached myself. So I thought, well, I need a, I need to work out how to actually plan a season. Um, and 
basically I came up with my own goal setting philosophy, which I now teach to other clients um, as part of my performance coaching. But essentially it's about looking as far ahead as you want to. So we kind of sit down at the end of the season. The reason it all happens in October is because the season usually runs to about September, October for me. Okay. So have the last race of the season and then just take some time off. And I don't actually set in stone how much time that's going to be because I know probably after a couple of weeks, I'm going to be ready to kind of get back to it. Yeah. Um, this year, I literally took, I think it was three weeks off and I literally did nothing. Like I walked and stuff but it was beautiful. And I got in the sea and I just mermaided around and didn't do any sessions. I was like, yeah, I'm free. I'm not training, it's great. And, um, so, you know, I still, I'm an active person at heart. Yeah. So I still did that stuff, but I didn't do any structured training. And then I was ready to come back to it. And then it's just about looking at what the bigger goal is and then saying, well, what do I need to do to achieve that? Like, how can I get the best out of myself? Um, I work with a brilliant coach now, Alan at Try Training Harder, um, who, helps me kind of you know he says like what's the goals and then just helps me to create the plan basically and says well this is what we need to be looking at he tries to push me outside of my comfort zone and say here's some other things the little short-term goals that you need to get there and i think that's really important is if you don't set any little milestones and any little markers that are kind of gradually going to push you out of your comfort zone then you're never going to grow and reach the long-term goals i think that's really really important in whatever sphere you apply it to because whether that's professional personal whatever you have to have something to kind of keep you on course. And I always say that goal setting is a bit like having it is creating a map. So you have, you know, you're at point A, you want to get to point B and you can write down what point B is. Um, but you need to have little markers and little kind of landmarks along the way to keep you keep you on the right path, essentially. And then you need to follow that map once you've created that route. And that's literally what goal setting is. It's about mapping things out and following that plan and knowing where you need to be to get to point B. I always find people who come to these conclusions about goals, um, I find it quite amazing how you do find what works for you because mm -hmm. in this day and age, there are so many philosophies and books that people are writing about goal setting and staying motivated and being productive. And I think mm -hmm. productivity in particular is a massive word that is used in both the right and wrong contexts a lot of the time and it can get people very confused. Do you find yourself, did you or do you find yourself getting lost sort of among this noise or is there a book for example that you kind of found really changed the way you think or is it more just a combination of experience yeah I think there's been a lot of advice given to me I think one of the biggest things that I did was to find help from the right mentors um Richard Crawford Small at The Aesthetic Entrepreneurs who is an amazing man who now sponsors my um kit as well because I asked him to, because I was like, I would rather have somebody sponsor me that I really kind of massively approve of his ethics. And we're on so much the same page. Um, and I now do some coaching in his business as well. And I coach him as a client and it, you know, we work really well together, but he massively helped me when I set up my own business. Um, and he helped me also think of, I, there's a lot of mentors that I've had out there basically that I think have helped me to stay focused and rethink my own values. And I think you can learn a lot from the people around you. Um, and so I think surrounding yourself with the right people is one thing. In terms of books and resources that I've used, I think um, there are quite a few. These, I think it's The Seven Habits and I can't remember what the full title of the book is by, and I can't remember the author's name either, is it Steve? I think it's Stephen Covey and he wrote something like The Seven Habits. 
And I, when I read that book, it's a very long book, but I kind of realised that I was really applying a lot of those things to my daily life. But it's a really good place to start for a lot of people to think about actually how you get to a place where you're following your own path and you're following your own dream and how you actually do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I listen to a lot of things like that. I, I love kind of listening to other people's take on goal settings but what you'll tend to find is when you read all of these books they have a lot of things in common and it's just finding the thing that works for you and again finding the right mentor for me has been really really powerful and again like finding the right coach and stuff like that and I have a whole group of mentors around me who are really helpful in that sense because we're just aligned in how we think about things and so while everyone's proclaiming to have the best method um it's about finding someone that explains it and helps you to achieve it in the right way and like I say my method has just come about through learning from other people but learning from my own mistakes and what works and my goal setting strategy has never ever failed me if I followed it it's never ever failed me so I'm like well okay must be all right then mustn't it yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah, but you know what that's that's important if it works for you don't and it's working you're getting where you you want to be then some advice that you're reading elsewhere or that other people follow it might not work for you so I guess it's about personalizing the approach um which I think it's it is difficult to accept that sometimes when there is so much that people are telling you you know so many instructions from from books and 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 important figures across the world saying this is how you should do things this is how you shouldn't do things however it's yeah catering it to your own needs and your own goals I think is um a wise choice and probably something I need to take notes of more perhaps um I mean you, so you spoke at a couple so Monday uh, Monday Friday you said is is sort of your day out of clinic but for your business so um the wonder wonder clinic um tell us a little bit about that what's what's the sort of ethos behind this venture okay so the wonder clinic actually started as um I launched it when I started my facial aesthetics um okay. and I was doing you know like a lot of people are kind of had this little side hustle in aesthetics and was kind of doing it and then I was like a lot of people were asking me while they were at their appointments you know how do you fit everything in how do you do this I'm oh you know you've inspired me I think I'm going to do this like any advice and I found that you know people were coming in and getting their Botox done but equally they were coming in and more that we were talking more and more and more about lifestyle things and I was starting to help people with you know improving their health through their diet and stuff like that and again, my business mentors start to say to me, you're doing more of the kind of lifestyle advice and stuff like that. People are basically paying you for that more than they are for the aesthetics. And that's clearly what you're really passionate about. And you're an athlete first and a dentist second. And you, you know, you, you need to kind of, I think you need to think about that. And I was like, oh, you know, it was difficult because everyone kind of says, you know, they're really proud of you that you've got your dental degree and you work in healthcare and all this kind of stuff. And you sort of think, well, I, I do I love my dentistry now and um but in that business I realized yes I was more an athlete than I was a clinician and I thought well okay if this is what people want from me and this is what I'm good at then this is what I should do more of so I just started to say to people look you know if you want to come on board and have the advice and the coaching why don't we set this up um and I started to help people and and the whole ethos of it was all about empowering people to take control of their own health and how they could apply that to their daily life so you know I work with a lot of people um primarily kind of middle-aged men who uh yeah used to be into sport I've got a lot of ex-rugby players and stuff like that um who have maybe got a bit lost and I think one of the things that 
taking control of their own health and their lifestyle and their fitness helps them to do is to re-engage with their identity as a person so they're not just somebody's dad they're not just a dentist they're not just a clinician they're their own person again um and i use all the lessons that i've learned in health and fitness through kind of triathlon and also through obviously a healthcare career to apply that and say let's take control of your life let's empower you again and what the wonder clinic does is bring those people together we have a nice little community um the paladins community where people kind of talk about their training and stuff um and yeah just help people to take control of their own health and i think it's so important in a day and age where there's so much noise um unnecessary noise by un- unqualified people um who are making a lot of things about you know if you go on the grapefruit and maple syrup diet then i'm going to help you lose 20 pounds you'll be the healthiest you've ever been and you know yeah. we need to cut through all that so just helping those people really uh, no absolutely i can i completely agree with you social media as well i think is um an excellent platform for those types of people and and companies actually scarily it's uh, yeah. sometimes <laughs> companies with um, a reputation a good reputation then start to tell people this is the way to do things and actually it's wildly inaccurate and actually quite dangerous so thank goodness for people like you out there (laughs) (laughs) yeah then it's just a challenge of being like right how do I make myself you know a louder noise than uh, than yeah which is difficult people the thing is as well people don't like being told that what they're currently doing is wrong you need to kind of break it to them gently that actually this isn't going to I think things happen so fast and Mm -hmm. the culture these days is it's just everything you can access everything so quickly I remember years ago thinking one day we'll be able to just go online and you can just get a film and then Netflix came about and Amazon Prime and and and, you know some things that are out in the cinema now you can just buy straight away it's um it's just part of who we are as people now so if if something's promising lose 15 pounds in four weeks people are going to jump on that and give it a go so good I mean it's, it's great that you are making an effort to try and educate people in in the right yeah, way I, I think. think um we are like you say completely hooked on quick fixes yeah. and that's the real challenge is because if it's not sexy to go out there and be like you know the way to lose body fat is to put yourself in a calorie deficit in a long-term way where you eat your veggies and everyone's like I don't care about your advice because it's boring and I'm like okay but this is the only way it's going to happen and you know that paleo diet that someone advertised you yeah the reason it works is because they just put you in a calorie deficit so yeah. I'm sorry that my method isn't sexy but it really <laughs> works and it'll keep you alive for a lot longer so. <laughs> I mean that's a great selling point you should lead with that one I think yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> just I can keep your life for longer like, you know yeah yeah, yeah absolutely um it says you've said I've, I've read I've just, you know in my research reading about you said the biggest limit is your own mind mm-hmm. um which I I think is is absolutely true for everybody when it mm. comes to most things um how do you help people overcome that barrier? Because obviously it's with you constantly. You can constantly have that little voice in your head putting you down saying you can't do it. What is the key to overcoming that doubt? I think that's really challenging because I don't think you ever get rid of that. Like, you know, like I say, when I turned up to my, um, okay, so when I turned up to the European Championships this year, last year, um I was really like I haven't done this before people are gonna know I haven't done this before like am I worthy of wearing this kit um and then I got to the and it's really when I got to the sign up I'm there with my partner and he's six foot four and like looks like an athlete and I was just there in you know I call myself like the dumpy little potato because I just like really small and I (laughs) I just turn up and I'm like I don't look like anybody else here uh (laughs) 
so I just rocked up in my little backpack and the the guy at sign on just it talks exclusively to my partner like you're here for the race right and he's like no no she's she's the one racing I'm not I don't do triathlon she's a triathlete to which they then say oh you're looking for the open registration I'm like no no I'm here to compete in the European championships and they look at you like you've gone completely mad and that just feeds your imposter syndrome because you're like I don't look like I should be here I don't I don't belong here and I think I often actually felt in dentistry like I didn't belong there because my philosophies and my outlooks on things are so different to so many people because I'm just, I'm not as uptight as a lot of people. I don't take myself very seriously. And I think, you know, healthcare doesn't need to be this grossly serious thing. I think we need to engage people with it. And one of the things that my patients really appreciate is that I'm honest about stuff, but I'm realistic about things as well. And I think we strive for perfection. And I think as dentists, the type of people that we are, we're always trying to be perfect. And I think if you let go of that, it helps you. Because if you suddenly say, actually, I don't need to be perfect, I'm not going to be perfect, then suddenly you settle down this kind of mindset that's like, oh, I'm not good enough, because you just think, well, okay, I'm not perfect, but I'm just a human being. And being able to say that is like, have I done my best? Am I doing my best? and I'm just a human being are the two most powerful things that you can say to yourself because suddenly you're like, well, I'm just like everybody else here and everybody else here is just a human being. And if I'm doing my best and I'm trying to get the best out of myself, then that's all I can do. So, you know, and being honest about, are you passionate enough about something to be given at your best shot? All of that sort of thing. Um, and I think just working on it over time and doing things like preparing in a way where you're thinking about what is the worst that could happen here? How can I prepare for the worst case scenario? Because if I've prepared for that, then everything else is going to be fine. And usually, if you think about the best case scenario and the worst case scenario, it's always going to be somewhere in between. So you're going to be fine. Um, so I think just not taking yourself so seriously and just like chilling out about stuff and just taking time to not overthink it. And again, getting the right mentors that you can use as sounding boards to say, I'm really worried about this because they'll turn around and say, why? Why are you worried about that? Like, okay, my coach is brilliant because I regularly pitch up to Alan and I'm like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do this race. Like, it's really bad and I've never done this before. And he'll be like, well, just stop worrying about it. Like, you've done the training. So why don't you just enjoy it and then worry about it later? And I'm like, that's such good advice. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> the thing is, sometimes these things that people tell you, you know, but you just need someone else to say it to you. I find that anyway. It, yeah. It's helpful to hear. Cause sometimes you convince yourself that, well, I'm telling myself that, but it might not be true. I'm just doing it to, you know, optimistically reassure myself in this situation. But if you hear it from someone else, it's, um, I don't know, it just hits different. It's, it, you take it on board a little bit more anyway. Um, but that's, I mean, I, yeah, I, I said it earlier and I wasn't kidding when I said I could, I could take a lot of that advice on board. I think <laughs> we could all take a lot more of our yeah, own advice. Yeah, that's, yeah, why, absolutely. that's why I always say coaches still have coaches because we still need the advice. Like I still have like three different coaches. Like I'm coaching other people, but I'm not uncoached. Yeah. I don't know everything. Not the Oracle. No. <laughs> not me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not <my> Oracle. It's... <laughs> No, that's, that's, it all makes complete sense. Um, and I can see how that advice really does umbrella both dentistry and mm -hmm. triathlon. I think it's, um, I don't know, I think sport and healthcare, obviously there is a very obvious link there. But I think when you talk about dentistry and you talk about triathlon, they do feel worlds apart when you think about what you're doing in both of them. But actually there is um, a lot of links there. And I think a lot of what, other people might be doing alongside dentistry actually there's there's probably a lot of a connection there too um i i've got a question here from a previous guest on the show 
um, Dr. Manrina Road. And it's part of the... Um, I don't know, I thought it might be quite fun to get guests to, to ask a question for the next one. And her question for you is, what three pieces of advice would you give your younger self? Which actually I tend to ask in the podcasts as well. So I think mm-hmm. you basically you've got two people asking the same question here. <laughs> what, what have you learned over the years? What, what would you tell younger Stevie if you could go back and, and talk to her? I think the first thing is, don't feel like you have to follow the path that you've set out for yourself. Like I am unusual because I decided at a very early age that I wanted to be a dentist. I was like probably under 10. Yeah, like nobody says that. Nobody gets to seven or eight and is like, yeah, I'm going to fix teeth for a living. But I did, um, you know, and so, so from there, it was really challenging when I worked and worked and worked. I got my dental degree. I got out and I was a dentist because I'd basically achieved the only thing that I'd been focused on since I was, you know, in primary school. And that's really hard because I did it. And then when I got out into the world of dentistry, I was a bit like, well, what do I do now? I have to be a dentist forever. And I and I almost feel like I'd hit a, a glass ceiling. And I was like, well, what do I do next? Because I was constrained to this whole, I have to now be a dentist. And you know, over the last few years, like I say, since launching the business and since working with different mentors and coaches, I've realized that actually I'm I'm not just a dentist and I'm far more than that as a person. Um, so I think not being constrained to A, what everybody else thinks you are. You know, you're not just Stevie the dentist. You are Stevie the person. And what do you want to do? Um, and thinking that actually you can change direction. Like it's never too late to change direction and just, you know, do what feels right to do you know if it's not if it's not dentistry five days a week that's okay likewise if it is then good for you um but yeah so I think that's probably advice number one is don't necessarily feel like you have any fixed path it can change at any time I think number two is probably similar but uh different I I would say don't feel like you have to conform to everyone else's values in whatever field you're in so I always refer to you the beige chino dentist brigade it's like offend a lot of people um sorry if you wear beige chinos at work Uh, but I kind of like always rocked up to my job and my first job that I had I always rocked up in like these grossly floral trousers they were pretty cool I still have some I had a zebra print pair I had many that looked like Laura Ashley curtains because I just hated the fact that I was gonna have to wear a uniform otherwise yeah I get it yeah, so I used to rock up wearing these, and and everyone would be like, "Yeah, you, like you're you're a slightly odd person. You're not like a you're not a conventional dentist. You're slightly weird, and you have you end up creating this marmite tribe of patients where you have a whole bunch of patients that are like, that is not the dentist for me, and that's fine. Like <laughs> there are loads of other people out there that are going to get on really well with you, but you you also create a whole really 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 strong relationships with people that do want to hang around you, and being aware of what works for you and what makes you tick and what your values are and my values are not to be a run-of-the-mill dentist like my values are that dentistry is part of healthcare and it's part of life and my role as a dentist is not just to fix people's teeth it's to improve people's life and it's to help people be a better version of themselves and whether that's just because actually they come in at their checkup they don't see anybody else for six months and they come in and they just talk to you for 10 minutes and then you do the checkup like that's really valuable and we must never underestimate everything else that we can do um likewise you know 
maybe I wasn't cut out to do just the general dental role like never feel like you can't kind of shape that with your own values and don't feel like other people telling you you must do this as a dentist or you must do this as a person like what is it that you actually want to do and what values do you want to follow and what's important to you is it more important that you spend more time in your job or is it important that you spend more time with your family or more time on yourself and who is anybody else to dictate how you spend your time and like we said earlier what are your own priorities like make those for yourself um so I think those two and then third piece of advice I'm trying to think about what my I think probably um you know don't feel like if everybody else is telling you that you're too busy and you're doing too much uh don't listen to them because they're wrong <laughs> like everyone's like oh you know you're too busy and then you like if I ever turn up to anybody my mum is terrible for this <laughs> I'm like oh mum I'm so tired and she says oh it's because you do too much you're always training and uh I always refer her to one of the pictures of the photo shoot that I did um my first one in my GB kit. And I was like, you see that photo there, mum? I didn't get there just by having a nap every time I'm tired. Like, it's not because I'm doing too much. It's because it's training. And there's a really fine line. And I think, you know, we're always too scared to be like, oh, you know, I just can't take any more on. But I think if you plan in the right way, um, just because somebody else thinks you're too busy, it's not up to them. It's up to you to decide whether you're too busy. Likewise, if somebody says, actually, you can afford to put that on your plate and you don't think you can, turn around and tell them to go away because it's your decision about how you spend your time. And, you know, again, the, afore the aforementioned pieces of advice about following your own path and following your own values. Um, set your own time. Like, you only get one life and you are entirely in charge of your time. And if you want to spend all of it doing stuff whatever you want to do if you yeah. want to just spend all your time on diy at home like good for you <laughs> i don't but yeah don't be constrained by everyone else's opinions and you know follow your own values and uh, you're never too busy <laughs> <laughs> oh, i like that i do like that i think actually you you know don't you really a lot of the time I and mean, if you are too busy or you feel that you can put in more you you know and there is a very fine line, like with a lot of things, between being burnt, burnout, which again is another word that's used a lot, but I'm going to use it here, is, is burning out and doing too much, or actually being busy, but being very comfortable with it, and much like yourself, enjoying it. And I think that enjoyment and that happiness that it gives you is, if that's what you're getting from it, then that's fantastic, because not many people get that. And <laughs> I, think, I think being busy and being really happy just goes to show that actually hard work doesn't have to be horrific it can no be... I think it's I mean I did a I did a podcast recently saying like about how like you know are we too scared of hard work and I was just like I think too many people are scared of hard work because they don't like the feeling of it being a bit uncomfortable but it depends what you're using because if you're doing it from a place of passion you know I the I slept about 12 hours on Saturday night because I was so tired and exhausted and I could have just easily got up and done nothing but I decided I was going to go out and do my session because I'm so passionate about the goal that I have so the motivation is there is then just about being disciplined and focused and you know the buzz I have after doing that is amazing so you can be as busy or as lazy as you want but I think the more passionate you are and the bigger your goal is and the passion that is for that then it becomes easier to stay focused and follow your plan. And therefore you don't have the same type of burnout. And I think if you plan it correctly and you have the right downtime, then you can avoid that and just really tread that line between being busy and being being overworked. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It seems like you've kind of mastered that side of things, which is 
Well, you have to because otherwise your mum tells you off, right? (laughs) (laughs) Most of that side, but the DIY side needs a little bit. Yeah, you know what? There's a whiteboard just to the left of me now and I look at it every single day and I'm mad about it because I have three screws in it, not four, because I can't get the fourth one in. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to, it's just going to be unfinished. Just go and swim instead. That's, that's. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be three screws, right? I feel like one day during a podcast interview, it's just going to fall down. That'll be the sign. That'll be the sign. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't need it's just a screw you don't worry about that <laughs> thank you so much for for uh giving up some of your time today to to have a chat it's been i've really enjoyed it good. and i think it's um there's some really good philosophy and and mindset and some thinking there that people can take some snippets out insert it into their life and make it work for them and i i think that's great um so yeah thank you very much here helping you stay up to date and in touch with all things dentistry delivered by fmc dentistry cbd brings together articles courses videos and live streaming education to help you stay compliant with more than 250 hours of courses available to browse online it covers a whole selection of areas including all of the gdc's recommended topics all of this for just 29.99 a year to get involved and start your cbd journey visit dentistry.co.uk forward slash cbd